da 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 You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. So Fallout continues, fellas, from the Now You See Me Too incident. Will it ever stop? Will it ever, will we ever get over this as no. a as a society? Will we ever move on back to our normal lives, back to our priorities? I know I we don't will. think so. The three of us, at least. I would say it's the second greatest incident next to, of course, the string cheese. <laughs> a little yeah. jam band humor yeah. for you guys. You're welcome. <laughs> so, should we just block off the first hour to <laughs> talk about the Now You See Me episode? Or no, I'm just kidding. Um, that, we could do I that every done. week for the rest of the yeah. year. Just recap our recap from the week before. Just keep it going. Keep it going the whole year. I feel like I'm I'm pretty much over talking Now You See Me for the foreseeable. F- I'm not even kidding. I we got We did two hours last week. For you guys, we talked a lot of the first movie and and the sequel, of course, and it was a good time for all. But uh, I'm here to say we've moved on temporarily. That is, uh, <laughs> no promises now. from the rest yeah. of us, but sure. And uh, I'm sure it'll come up at the end of the year, along with Batman v Superman, and we'll just we'll mm-hmm. relive all these wonderful feelings we've had so far in 2016. Mm. Bat- Batman v Superman comes yep. out on DVD Blu-ray in less than a month, guys. Are you excited? Are y'all buying the super deluxe edition or the ultra deluxe? I gotta, the, I gotta buy well, the which R-rated one gets, version. Yeah, which one gets me the R-rated version? I think. Is well, I think they both have the R-rated version, but one of them promises mm-hmm. to uh, to make your biceps thirty five percent more jacked. So that's probably okay. what I'm gonna go with. Okay, the one where yeah. Superman rips off a guy's head and it's freaking <laughs> yeah. sick and it's it's like super blood sick. and there's like guts and it's freaking <laughs> awesome. I don't even know. I don't even Superman know. Superman's just I wearing got... a backwards New York Yankees hat the whole time. It's pretty cool. I guarantee you it does not make it a better movie. <laughs> they would have released it as rated R if it was good. I'm I'm pretty sure they would have done that. They would have taken that risk. Hey, we can do it PG thirteen it's bad or R and it's good. Let's let's just do the bad one. Let's I don't no no studio would would do that, I don't think. Uh... But we live to see another day, and I'm done talking about both of those films. Films. Yeah. Not movies. Films. Master uh, for now. Movie news. Yes! Rumors and rumbling. That's awesome! Let the filibustering begin. But a uh, bit of sad news to start off the show uh, this week. The sad, untimely death of Anton Yelkin. And uh, this is somebody that Richard and I discussed uh, less than a month ago. Uh, when we talked to Green Room and his starring role in Green Room and, and, and uh, great performance in that I hope film. I you feel good about sitting that one out now, Brian. <laughs> Didn't even get to see it. I am, yeah. No, well, he'll, he'll be in Star Trek uh, later yeah. this summer. Yeah. So we'll get, we'll get more Yelkin to come. But, uh, you know, very, very sudden and uh, mm. tragic accident, car accident, and uh, 27 years old, younger than anyone here on the show. And uh, you got to feel like he, if he, he's in a category I put. I put him and Eisenberg and Paul Dano in kind of the same category. Those three guys, as those guys are awesome now, and I'll see anything they do, and they could win an Oscar tomorrow, and it wouldn't surprise me. But you got to feel like, man, for the next 30 years, it's going to be awesome to see these guys grow as sure. actors. And uh, I felt the same way with Philip Seymour Hoffman. We lost him way too early. This is even 
exponentially earlier than that. And uh, it's sad. And I've heard he was a great, great guy. And, you know, of course, we were fans of his work. But uh, sad to see someone uh, go and not live a quarter of their potential, maybe an eighth of their potential. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's that's always sad. So he'll be missed. And but luckily we have some great work to uh, appreciate him by. But sure. any any thoughts on on Anton? You know, I think what is the two things that stick out to me most is that I always I always appreciate an actor who can do movies like Star Trek and then goes and does three independent films. Like I think that if I had any acting talent whatsoever, which I I thoroughly do not. That would be the kind of career that I would want to have. Like the ability to, I'm going to go make one for them and two for me basically, you know, and just make a little money here and then go do whatever project I want to do. And he fit very well in all of those worlds. And I always thought that was, I'm always impressed by actors who can, who can pull that off. Um, but also like, I kind of forgot because he does do so many small films that I don't necessarily see all of them or, or remember all of them all that well. Um, I was I looked at his IMDb today when I was getting ready for the show and was just I was shocked at how many credits he has. He has 65 credits uh, for being 27 years old. And I know he started as a very young age and stuff, but he was a very prolific actor, which is another thing that I, you know, I very much respect uh, from from anybody who's in that profession. So definitely, definitely a hurt, uh, a hit for obviously his family and friends and all that stuff, but the the industry as well. Yeah, absolutely. He it, it didn't seem like he was a kid actor who just got into it and was just mm-hmm. kind of doing it. He's a serious actor from the beginning. Yeah. And really kind of, uh, you know, pick and chose every project he did. It seems like he was a little picky. I'm sure he got offered a lot more than he did. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there were Marvel, you know, and uh, I'm sure he got offered a lot of big blockbusters and the Transformers of the world and things like that somewhere along the line. But he had... A lot of integrity and uh, a lot of confidence, and you know, I, I feel like he was more for the art than he was for the fame, for sure. sure. And uh, that's always admirable. Richard, any thoughts? Yeah, always been one of my favorite uh, young actors, and uh, really liked him in the Star Trek role because it was, like you said, Brian, not only uh, kind of a different speed for him, but he really seemed to relish it and and thrive in it, and. Uh, and then so and so you know in a movie like Green Room too such an interesting choice that you know a lot of actors probably wouldn't choose um, a really brave um, actor and and I mean that in the context of acting not not in the context of the world um, but yeah as an actor really brave and and interesting uh, chooser of parts and and then someone who executed those parts really well and and yeah he'll definitely be missed um, and that's too bad what a, what a uh, you know you're you're so thrilled that he packed so much work into such a short amount of time, but it would have been, it would have been fun to watch him uh, really age because I think he was an actor who uh, because of his youth was great, but he didn't really rely on his youth and it would have been fun to watch him uh, grow older and evolve uh, further and further. So yeah, definitely, definitely a sad loss and and he'll be missed and it'll be fun and sad to see him in in, in Star Trek here in a few weeks. And, uh, and and that's, that's always so bittersweet, you know, to, to see somebody one last time. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's sad. And then when you read more and more on how it happened and how just sort of, um, mm-hmm. what a freak accident and everything was, it's just such a bummer. It's such a bummer. And, and, uh, yeah, sad, sad. My condolences to his, his family and friends. That's, that's very sad. Yeah. He came over from Russia. He's from Ru- of Russian descent and kind of maybe kind of did this on his own, came and decided he wanted to be an actor. 
you know, he, uh, I think his family was still over there or something. And, uh, so there's the connection with the Chekhov character in, in Star Trek. He wasn't just doing a fake accent. He actually knew Russian, I think, and things like that. So very intelligent actor as well. And, uh, he will be missed. But, uh, we have some movie news to talk, guys. A lot has happened since we've talked movie news. And one thing that has happened is we all went to Comic-Con together. Yeah, we made yeah. Richard go to Comic-Con. It's the he's, first time we had all three gone together. Uh, uh, I've been with Brian in the past, <laughs> been by myself in the past, and I'm interested to get Richard's just observational thoughts. We did do a Periscope there, so uh, thank you to the people that follow us on Twitter at MAM Podcast and find and found us on there and uh, and followed our journey that weekend. But that was about two weeks ago. We haven't really talked about it. Uh, so I want to hear your observations, Richard. I didn't, re- didn't even really get them that day. So I'm excited to hear them now. Yeah, it was fun. It was, it was definitely interesting. I was prepped a little bit. You know, I, uh, I pride myself on having really no passion <laughs> for anything. It's actually so, your trademark. Yeah. yeah it's my, it's, uh, it's like, a tra- yeah. So I'm very confused by. Sorry, Sarah. For, yeah, by passionate <laughs> fandom. Um, directed anyway. So I was, uh, you know, I felt like a stranger in a strange land so, a little bit, but, uh, you know, I'd be prepped. I, I found my, I happened upon, uh, was at a, was at a hotel having dinner, um, a few months ago and, and happened upon a, a furry convention. <laughs> and so really by comparison, this was a piece of, cake. yeah, yeah. You can't uh, go was, much more con than that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so it was, uh, so this was, was similar in difference that time. It was it was a very large event, the the nice uh, trade show floor. I, in my career, I've I've worked many a, many a trade show, so I was familiar that those are kind of all the same. Whether it's you know pet supplies or you know CES or uh, a Comic Con, those those feel very familiar no matter what. Um, but I was I was as someone who's not in the has not bought a collectible figure in in twenty something years. Uh, I was very much in awe of the scope and uh just different like oh there's breaking bad action figures and alf uh action figures and yeah. you know professional how many rest- fandoms there are i guess yeah that's yeah, what yeah, yeah. i yeah. thought it would be very much limited more to that no not, not just comics but things kind of in that vertical and there were just all kinds of just uh of of plastic merch for whatever you're into is whatever your, your uh peculiar taste is they've they've got a a uh, plastic fix for you. So I was, I enjoyed myself a great deal. We had a lovely dinner afterwards, uh, the three of us, which was my favorite part. But, uh, but the con was, the con con was great too. I, by the way, I left my pizza in your fridge. I'm going to need the rest of that. I hope you didn't need it. I ate every, I know you did. You're welcome. (laughs) Thank you. I I remember, I I was like, I could turn around and go get it, but that would be kind of a rude thing to be like, Hey man, I left my frozen pizza in here. No, it's late. I'm going to knock on your door and come grab it if you don't mind. I'd but that would have been awesome. Did at that point. Um, that's that's funny, though. Uh, I basically figured out by going to these, Richard, that if there are fans of it, you will see it at Comic-Con. Yeah, in some sure. form. If somebody yeah. likes it somewhere, maybe mm-hmm. maybe more than one person likes it, then right. you'll see it in cosplay or on a T-shirt mm-hmm. or via a Funko Pop or something. Yeah. You'll yeah. see it at, at, at a Comic-Con. Yeah, you yeah. guys, you know... Uh, you guys both collect a little bit uh, the Funko Pops, which I, I've never. I've, those are the first ones I've ever seen in person. I've only ever seen pictures online. Yeah. Um, and I, 
it was amazed at the different ones mm-hmm. uh, for a, a million different things. And you guys picked up some some cool stuff. Nothing. I don't have anything against yeah. it. I'm not one of these people hating on it. It's just I I uh, I'm removed from it. It seems like it happened without me, and then I got dropped off in this in this world. <laughs> but I think uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of some some interesting. Oh, it was crazy that uh, so this happened. We went to this what two or three weeks ago. It was crazy that uh, Chewbacca mom was already there signing autographs. It was like yeah. the week after the video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, that she was, was stationed right next to. John I'm done. I, I was finished with Chewbacca mom like four minutes after I saw the video. Yes, yeah, I'm so I'm. It's a month later. I'm so done with it. And he's yeah. in, she's from around here. She's from oh, DFW, okay. so maybe we're getting like on the local news every night. We're getting more Chewbacca mom than anyone. Tonight. But I'm just. I'm I'm this totally spent on. This mask couldn't potentially kill you. <laughs> there's there's a guy locally here on the radio, on the ticket who is convinced that it was all staged, and he he went on like a thirty minute rant about it the other day, and it's gold. I'm gonna have to you're gonna have to tweet me if you want to hear that, uh, our listeners. But it is great, and I'm done with Chewbacca mom. But yes, yeah, she was there. Very random. Yeah. You never know yeah. who's gonna be there signing. You're like, was, oh, I didn't even. It was a murderer's row, man. It was like the twenty seven Yankees. <laughs> They had John Cusack, John, John Cusack, Cusack, and Chewbacca John... mom, like all in a row, like yeah. very random. Back to back to back. Um, Stan Lee was there. Yes. Uh, who else? We had some. Um, you Doctor know, just Who some... it was the first official Doctor Who. Uh, first time Peter Capaldi has been to a con, the newest Doctor. Mm. And uh, so a lot of the cast was, was there with a lot of, to do that. I'm always amazed. At uh, the amount of who just diehard Who fans are out there. There's so many. It might be the biggest fandom besides Star Wars. Yeah, out, at, as far as cons go. Yeah, no, definitely. And just like out in the world, like you'll just be oh, yeah. behind a you know uh, Nissan Maxima that has like the little <laughs> Tardis. Uh, yeah, yeah, Tardis on it. Uh, so that that's cool. I mean, I liked it. It was it was it was so. I liked that all these people were so into something. Uh, it could there, there's more productive things to be into for sure. Uh, but it, it is, it is, it is fun to see people really in their element. And, and I think that sense of community is really cool to watch. I mean, yeah. people that, that do this together, um, I think that's awesome. And there was, and, and for me, uh, it was really fun to watch like the kids. I mean, that sounds mm-hmm. super creepy, but like, it was really fun to watch, you know, the kids at their first one or like some teens that all got dressed up together and, you know, kind of awkward in that awkward phase and like just having the time of their life. That's awesome. Big totally. fan. Yeah. Um, do your thing, fly your freak flag, uh, guys. But uh, yeah, it was it was the, yeah the scope of the amount of different. Th- I thought it would be like, yeah, I thought it would be like Marvel people, some DC people, Doctor Who, some Star Wars, and two or three other things. And it was probably two hundred different. Right. Least, you know, there's like people there is like, oh yeah, no, I'm just I'm just super into uh, I'm just super in the Street Fighter. I th- yeah, the video games, <laughs> the is, the video booth. games is where it's yeah. crossed over to where. There are so many characters that I don't know if they're a video game or if it's anime yeah. or if it's some sci-fi franchise I don't know about. I think yeah. that Remember the fact Kirby, that they the, the pink little blob. Well, yeah. <laughs> that's my thing. Exactly. Yeah, okay, yeah. Whole booth of them. Whole booth of Kirby. <laughs> yeah, but so weird. Once they've kind of welcomed the video game lore yeah. into the Comic Con, uh, you know, universe. That that's like anything goes now. I mean, What's pretty much everything is where there's like sixteen of them. It's like a Final Fantasy? Yes. A lot of Final Fantasy stuff I saw there. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. costume-wise. A lot, a lot of, of Bioshock. That's like the yeah. steampunk uh, yeah. sci-fi stuff that you see. Some cool you know, stuff. A lot of Bioshock stuff this year, I noticed. 
Not nearly enough WWE for my book. <laughs> Brian, I'll maybe you can maybe you observe this as well as I did. I think you went mm-hmm. the second day. I didn't end up going the second day, but um we saw some droids, and I almost got ran over by an R2 unit. <laughs> yeah, like, that was the basically best. like it literally got like bumped talking to us, not paying attention. Wasn't his fault, like anybody would. And he bumped in, and he turned around and like be like, "Hey, watch out!" <laughs> I thought it was, it was a person, and it was like R2 droid, and it was like trying to come at him again. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> but great. I didn't. You make... should have thrown down. <laughs> Odor style on the droid. It's really hard to tip those things over, though. They got a good low center of gravity. I thought the Force Awakens would dominate the con mm-hmm. as far as cosplay and everything, Brian. I didn't, it didn't at all to me. I saw one little kid that was like four that was dressed as Kylo Ren, mm-hmm. and that was it for the whole weekend, pretty much. Except for they had the 501st there. Right. And their yeah. booth, they do costumes and they're standing there in their stormtrooper outfits but those were cool. for fans i didn't i, I would have thought that ray would be everywhere bb8s everywhere i just didn't see that and it's almost that's like weird. that's not cool in some ways like it's i mean that's the greatest thing about this whole thing is it was that, cool last year before the movie yeah, came well, out it, but now it, it's it seems not. like mm-hmm. if you're i mean i'm a huge star wars fan i'm not a real comic book reader or, or any of that stuff i would never be caught dead in any kind of costume. Like I just, I, I don't even like Halloween. Like I just, that's not a part of my nerdiness. I had on one of my star Wars t-shirts and that was the end of it. Like that's as far as I'll go. Um, and but it kind of see your saw machine mask. Too, right. Okay. Well, but that's normal life. I don't even feel like that's a costume yeah, at this no, point. You and, that's you and Russ just going right. Out. That's just our thing. Um, but I, you know, it's, it's almost like, if you're a real, if you're a real Comic Con nerd, you're not coming as Star Wars. You're coming as Fallout. I guess or... they want the more obscure the character, yeah. the better. Yeah, I totally. guess totally. You have more street. It's like it's like being really into an indie band, and then not necessarily like you know sticking your nose up at people who are really into. I don't know. I know nothing yeah. about music. So pick. Oh, I just discovered. Oh, you just discovered that band. Okay, well, yeah. you know, I, I'm really into this band that that only four people have ever heard of, and they're all in the band. You know, that kind of thing. And I don't think that was like. I'm not saying that was the attitude of the people walking around, but it does seem like that is an opportunity to show off how deep your nerd goes. And Agreed. here we go. You know, so it's like the in, inverse cool. of high school. Yeah. It's like, totally, look, totally. Yeah. It's like look how deep dive I can go on the on the nerd front. Right. I did see a fair amount of Star Wars stuff, but it's like, I think with the Star Wars stuff, there's no in between. It's either you're me and I wear this T-shirt that I got from a cool website, you know, that has a a Star Wars sort of logo thing on it, or you spend twelve thousand dollars and you have Stormtrooper armor and it could with withstand a blaster. You know what I mean? Like it's hardcore. There's no. There's no, oh, I made a Jedi cloak at home. There's yeah. none of that. You either have to, you're all in or you're just, you're Yeah, that's out. why I don't think people really appreciated my um, Luke from Gilmore Girls costume. <laughs> that one girl my, did. My, my one final, girl at one booth was like, yeah, did. was yeah, very complimentary up. of Richard's that outfit. Was weird. Yeah, I was yeah. in a booth and this girl goes, hey, I just want to let you know, I really like the way you dress. <laughs> I was like, all right. I was like wearing like nothing, like a like long sleeve shirt and pants. Mm-hmm. Like, thanks. I think because I was the only person there not in, like, brand... There wasn't a logo on what I was wearing. Right. She, she was dressed like Mad Max, so, you know. She was, right? She was wearing, like, a Mad Max. It was something really out there. She had, like, odd. bright pink hair or something. Yeah. I was like, thanks. Wish I could it, it's fun. It's funny because, like, I feel like I am... I'm pretty nerdy, and in that group, I am not nerdy at all. Yeah. Like, I'm just... 
way, way, I'm not cool, but I'm way, way outside the, uh, the norm of what is nerdy there. I do I think it was mean that you were giving people wedgies though. Oh, well, you know, I, I played basketball in high school, <laughs> so I felt like I was inclined to do that. No, it was, it was very interesting. I went back on Sunday with a friend of ours, uh, a friend of mine, Daniel, who is I, is is the Uber nerd in my little group of friends. Um, I gave him my badge, and then I was like, "Oh no, everyone's gonna think I'm." Uh, <laughs> yeah, like yeah, I, I had him put on a cardigan though, so Thank no one you. no one knew the difference. Um, but yeah, he so we were, I walked around with him for a couple hours on Sunday, and there were a dozen times that I turned to him and just said, "What's that?" <laughs> you know, or like, "What are they doing?" And yeah. He was like, well, it's blah, blah, blah. It's the, you know, okay, thanks. Cool. It's the same thing. Whenever I see a comic book movie, whether I see it with this, is my friend Daniel, whether I see it with him or not, I will always text him afterwards and be like, okay, explain what that, you know, usually the post credits uh, sequence or something like that. Like, what is that alluding to? And he'll be like, well, it's going to be uh, Mr. Sinister, that kind of thing. So he, he went with me on Sunday and, and, explained uh all the nerds to me so that was nice it was it was a good it was a help yeah, i feel me. like we're we're pretty plugged in considering yeah. we've seen a movie every single week for like five years not you know mm-hmm. like and haven't missed a week like, i feel like we culturally will could recognize most characters and franchises and things and right. we go there and we're just lost we're like oh yeah, it doesn't totally, even happen yeah. <laughs> totally. but it, it is because what you pointed out like it's it's kind of a it's a, a huge glob of different like the darkest genres place of the of internet nerdiness. come out. Yeah. Too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I like I mean, that though. Cause like yeah, totally. sometimes I think like, Oh man, I'm kind of running out of culture. And then I'm like, well, <laughs> if I ever just get really into Zelda, I got yeah. years of entertainment ahead of me. Like, and, and so it's cool to know there's stuff out there that's totally off my radar that may one day be totally on my radar. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was, it was wild, man. It was, uh, everyone was very polite. Mm-hmm. I, I will yes. say that. Yes. It's, a, it's a cool crowd. Right. It's a, there's a lot of camaraderie Except for John there. Cusack. He was right. not I cannot imagine what that mo- like what what kind of does he really need is it is it that bad is it Nicholas Cage money, does he need yeah. the money cuz there's there is no one who I would be less inclined to go up to and ask for an autograph uh than John Cusack. Like he just maybe Rob and I Schneider. I like a lot of his movies. Who's his from best friend? Early days, Who's John but, oh. Cusack's best friend? Jeremy Piven, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's all you That's, need to know. I know all you need to know. Yeah. Our friend uh James from Alamo Draft House uh moderated the panel with Cusack. Did you did I send you all the picture that he no. tweeted? Oh man. He he tweeted a picture backstage of him and Cusack and <laughs> Cusack looked like he was about five years from the, the infamous Nick Nolte mugshot. I mean, it was really yeah, bad. bad. It was does. really bad. And he had the hat on that also it was just Mm. He, and he, he still does. Either. I mean, he was good in uh, uh, the Beach Boys movie last year. Yeah, yeah he's great. And he's uh, great. he he's still capable, but it seems mm. like outside of that, he just doesn't care, and he's yeah. just kind of a rude person to be around. <laughs> yeah, Not Super Bomb twenty twelve wasn't huge. <laughs> it, I think that, I think yeah. you're right though. Seriously though, Richard, I think he, I think he thinks by this he thought by this point in his career he would be a huge not just a huge movie star but like he would have awards and things like that because he he had that that feel to him in the 80s where you're just like this guy's gonna this guy's yeah. going places he's gonna take over the industry and it didn't really happen and i think that that kind of like melancholy comes through in pretty much whatever he does i this agree he's that cast but very, um, it was a very random booking but yes nonetheless yes 
Uh, I didn't I didn't attend any of the panels this year. None of them really stuck out to me. Last year we went to a Carrie Fisher panel and she was high as can right. be, and it was a very memorable experience. And Brian yeah. and I talked about it on last year's. I think we yeah. did an episode on Comic Con last year. Right. So look at that and for that whole story. Yeah. There's but, no uh, way to top that. That I no may that never go crazy. back to another panel because yeah. that's as good how do you as how do you top that? There's yeah. no way. She There's showed no up way. an hour late, completely <laughs> high. Yeah. as a kite it and was, answered not one question she didn't answer one question she rambled for over an yeah. hour and was, didn't maybe mention star wars for seven <laughs> yeah. seconds of yeah the it was thing. almost incoherent the entire time but it was awesome i, I it was, just turned I've to brian seen, i'm like what is yeah. going on yeah like i've what never seen happening? anybody walk the crazy slash american treasure line like she did that night it was it was something special but um it was a good time and we'll be there next year you never know what's going to happen. Uh, I it's always interesting to me. Like if, if you're not into the panels, you're not mm-hmm. going to get an auto. You know, wait, pay a hundred dollars to get your autograph. I mean, your picture with Nathan Fillion or something. You know, if you're not on that level, right? And you're not a collector. I just don't understand why you would go. I, I just don't understand why you would go pay fifty dollars and just go walk around and leave. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Like there's to me, you, most people go with a with a purpose or something and for us it was you know let's see what kind of figures they have what kind of collectibles they have what kind of prices they got things like that how miserable uh, can we make how miserable can we make richard and awkward can we make those but i mean at least we have something to like distract us like oh you know we can go look at cosplay and kind of people watch but then Mm -hmm. you know we can actually go shop around and i just if if you're not into that it's just a fun funny thing Mm -hmm. why people would go i'm sure there are you know and it's, and the thing is with like a Dallas Comic Con with the panels, it's not like it's Hall H at SDCC, you know. It, right. Where you never know who's going to show up. The, the announcements are, you know, world premiere announcements most of the times. With that stuff, uh, there's mm-hmm. actually kind of a buildup. Um, just with the smaller cons, it's just a different experience than than the bigger sure. ones, and that's always been uh, been something I've observed. But I'd like to uh, like for us three to go out to San Diego. Some yeah, that'd be fun. Maybe or New York. a couple yeah. summers from now, or New York, cool. or uh, Emerald City Comic Con, or uh, you never know. Or like weather Star Park, Wars maybe? celebration. That'd be cool. We're the official podcast of Star Wars. They need to fly us out to celebration, and we'll yeah. we'll cover that. that Beaumont. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the Beaumont. No more real movie news to talk, uh, fellas, for this week. So let's move on and talk about Finding Dory. Hey, what's up, ma'am, fam? Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms. And there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now. And they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron, blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. So it's not often that we get to talk animation 
more than once a year, let alone more than once in a couple months. Feels like just yesterday we were here talking Disney's Zootopia, which dominated the box office uh, in its run, and it's still going, I think. Uh, it's it's made a, a ton of money, maybe the highest grossing film of the year so far, uh, worldwide. It's up there. Yeah. And, uh, Brian, you might want to double check on that. There might be one, maybe Deadpool. I know domestically Deadpool maybe. I uh, think Civil War is ahead of it, but let me check. Anyway. Big time, big time success for Zootopia, an original property, and it looks to be a very lucrative property for Disney going forward as far as the sequels and uh, spinoffs are concerned. But on the other side of the coin at, over at Disney, over at Disney Animation, is the Pixar side of things. They've always kind of had their own thing going over there at Pixar, their own ideas, and they're, you know, they are tied with Disney from a distribution standpoint. And I'm sure from a, a production standpoint, as far as the producers and uh, the people actually signing the checks. But, uh, you know, Pixar has a great track record and you almost can't knock them for anything they've done thus far. Mm -hmm. uh, they've made certain movies that, uh, you know, weren't as critically well received than others. But, uh, you know, two things have happened. You know, those movies were still financially successful still have huge fan bases. And if you put those films at any other studio, they're the best animated thing they've ever done and probably won't be. You know what I mean? It's just some of my issue with this movie, and uh, there are very few issues for me with, with Finding Dory. One of my issues is is that uh, Pixar has set the standards so daggum high for themselves. Mm -hmm. So freaking high with some of these movies that, you feel like if you're not completely blown away by every frame that it's a it's not a good movie. And I don't think that's the case. Um I think uh Pixar right about now, maybe the past decade is batting about four hundred, three hundred for every two or three cars twos and monsters universities, we get an inside out, you know? And mm -hmm. uh that's fine. Uh, I can sit through even the even the worst Pixar. Like I said, if it, if it there's a lot worse you can do with animation, and, and uh, it's better than some of the best stuff from other studios. The worst Pixar stuff. So sure. it's uh it's bearable. But as far as Finding Dory goes, I mean, this is bound to happen. I mean, uh, you're you're writing a check just by putting the name Finding Dory in the theaters. You know, uh, you're writing basically a hundred and fifty million dollar opening weekend just. Just to have yeah. the bitch by having the movie. Uh doesn't even matter if it was good or bad. Luckily this is more good than bad, but uh you still get a sense like how many more how many more sequels is Pixar gonna do? Is this all they're gonna do now because they're making so much money? And uh it's a bit confusing. But like I said, for every uh for every sequel that we've gotten unnecessarily from Pixar, we feel like we get an original idea fun good movie in like a like an inside out or an up so mm. or a wally -E. so uh, having said that um didn't like this as much as finding nemo obviously i don't think mm. there's anyone out there really who's man way better than finding Nemo. you know i don't think so this is an ex perfectly acceptable sequel um perfectly fine you know perfectly mm. fine family movie but uh it's kind of a weird thing because this isn't finding nemo uh it is dory so you're kind of eliminating the nemo fans out there 
Um, and I don't know why it's called Finding Dory because it shouldn't be called Finding Dory's Parents, but that's another <laughs> issue that's just that shouldn't go into. It's a small nitpick, I guess. Sure. But uh, it's kind of a weird thing because my my mom was uh, talking to my sister, and my sister was like, Should I, can I take my kids? Her kids are three, and she's got like a three and a two-year-old. Mm-hmm. She's like, well, the three, three-year-old's about to be four. So like, well, he might, you know, could understand most of it, but, you know, the two-year-old might make it for 30 minutes and it'll be completely lost. Uh, and I was like, yeah, I don't think they would really understand the short-term memory loss thing. Um, mm-hmm. I just don't know if, if little, little kids will, can follow that or can follow it long enough to carry an entire movie. You know, Finding Nemo was more accented, you know, it was more of the comic relief than it was the entire plot of the main character. And so you're eliminating really little kids uh, from the plot. And uh, I don't feel like really old kids will think this is cool. You know, your basically target audience is between ages 7 to 12. You know, <laughs> that's yeah. your main uh, people who are going to love this movie. And um, it was perfectly fine. You know, if, if your kids want to see just fish swimming and be entertained can be entertained by that for you know a two hour movie, which is basically two hours. Finding Nemo is too long. Finding Nemo is over two hours, mm-hmm. and it's it's when I on the rewatch, I was like, man, I did not realize that this was this was this drawn out. But um, I don't know, Brian. You took your kid, yeah, and it might might have a different experience. But I just don't see this like other Pixar movies crossing over as much as I thought mm-hmm. it would. It's just kind of a weird. Kind of a weird movie, but go ahead. Yeah, it's an interesting. It's interesting. You're you're totally right. Pixar has kind of set themselves up almost for failure because their run of success is so so huge. And I think you're right. Outside of Cars Two, a which is a really is is a bad movie. Just straight up is a bad movie. Outside of Cars Two, they don't have any real misses. Um you know, Monsters University and I say that one's that's like not a miss, but it's such a Yeah. A, I think I think movie. Yeah, I think Monsters University is like a B plus kind of movie and that is a is way low on the scale compared to most of the other movies. I think Brave is a B plus. Yeah, Bra- that's I think fine. Bra- yeah. Brave, Brave Brave's animation is incredible, but that's it. Yeah. Like it was the no, most cliche sure. story you could probably do sure. for a movie for an animated movie but sure. the animation was so good that it won the oscar that year yeah well that, that and, was uh, ridiculous because i think wreck and ralph was that same year and yeah. that was so much better anyway regardless all of these movies they have 17 movies now outside of cars 2 you know i watch an animated movie with my kid almost on a daily basis um and i will gladly sit through any of these movies let alone the ones I really love, like the Toy Story movies or Incredibles or some of that. I will gladly sit through any of these films over 90% of the other anime films that are out there. Yeah, even Bugs. I like Bugs Life. I don't have any. I know you guys are pro <laughs> team we're, ants. We're um, team ants. Pretty hardcore team ants. <laughs> yep. But, uh, until I die. I'll take until Bugs I die. It's going to be on my team zone. Any day. Yeah. That's what our back tattoos say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's weird that Woody Allen gave them to you himself. But anyway, um, <laughs> no. So I took Coop to see this, and uh, he loves Finding Nemo. We watched it a couple of days ago. You know, I wanted him to get ready to see the the sequel because he totally understands. Uh, he loved the movie, and we got back into the truck when we were done, and 
Uh, he is just just a little over three. He was totally locked in the entire time. You're totally right, Kent. He doesn't understand the plot of her not being able to remember or anything like that, but he definitely gets the visuals and that it's fun and and uh, he likes the characters and all that stuff. But we got back in the truck and he said, he goes, man, that was a great movie. So, <laughs> you know, that was pretty cool. Um, his thank review. You, thank you for taking out the F-bombs. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. listen, if he, he hung around his Uncle Richard once <laughs> and it's just been all downhill from there. No. Uh, so his review would be a little stronger than, than mine. I, I, I think this is a fine film. Um, it definitely, I think, skews more towards the the lower end of the Pixar scale than the the upper end. I don't love Finding Nemo. I think it's a a good movie. I don't think it's great. I don't think it's an upper I tier. I actually agree. on my last rewatch, I I just never re- realized how kiddy it was, mm-hmm. rather than how I did. It's just such a Disney movie, you know. Yeah. It's just so. Whereas with Toy Story and even the Incredibles and Wall-E, there's like so much even Mm -hmm. there for adults to enjoy. But other than some of the Dory humor and like the seagulls first reveal of that, you're like, oh, that's funny. You know, there's not that much for adults in that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's fine, I guess. It's just different. I just didn't remember. Maybe it's because I was younger when I saw for the first time, of course. But Mm -hmm. um, it's the most kiddie. Like other than Cars, Finding Nemo is the most like, you could set your infant down to watch it and mm-hmm. they would be entertained. Yeah. I would think. Yeah. It's the cars it's the, makes no sense. I want to rant a right. little bit. <laughs> I, I freaking hate car, almost minions level. Why, why is everything a car? <laughs> no, it makes no, there's no explanation. It's just a world that where everything is a car. How did they get there? Who built the cars? No thing is, I just don't, I'm not a cars guy either. I there's some Pixar stuff that I I definitely have a problem with. The but, laziest uh, design of any characters. Yeah, they, it looks they, like a they, Chevron they, commercial. They did a put a car and then put pupils in the windshield and like, all right, guys, we're good. <laughs> Let's just throw a script together and. But they just hold print, on. That, can we get Larry the Cable Guy? Yeah, get him. They just print money <laughs> with cars, though. I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. in the Toy Story, there's still a whole aisle of car stuff. You know, mm. like yeah. it. Kids love it. Yeah, it but. reaches out to the the real young demographic better than probably any other of the Pixar films. I mean, maybe Toy Story, but kids get so little of Toy Story. Like, there's not much depth to cars. It's fun cars driving that that can talk and stuff. And then there's the small town Americana thing. That's it. There's all there is to it. Toy Story. You know, my kid loves Toy Story. We we went through a stretch where he literally watched Toy Story every single day. One of the one of the three movies. I think we've all for, been there. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. I was say for, at gunpoint by you, but yeah, <laughs> yeah he still yeah. was. Watch this film. Uh, but he gets fifteen percent of those movies. You know, because it's so much. There's so much going on, um, especially with like Toy Story three. Anyway, uh, regardless, Finding Nemo I think is the second or third tier Pixar movie, and then this is more. I think it's not as good. This is not as good as the first one is. And like I said, that's not one of the better Pixar films to me. So I wasn't, I didn't think it was bad by any means. It's, it's fine. I enjoyed most of it. There were parts that I was kind of like, if I was watching this on DVD, I might kind of skip over this stuff or leave the room and get a drink of water or something. Like it just was like somewhat, recap or rehashing of the last movie and the B plot was kind of 
not very interesting. And so it, it didn't grasp me the way that I typically feel in a Pixar movie. I, I'm usually, you guys know, I'm a, I'm a big, uh, I'm very emotionally invested in these, these kinds of movies, this, anything that involves like a parent and child and, uh, that kind of thing. Like I just, I get super emotionally impacted by it and we'll just weep watching toy story three, no matter how many times we watch it. And this one, I was just kind of like, okay, it's fine. I'm here. I'm not hating my life by any means. I'll be happy to watch this again on, on DVD when it comes out, but I'm not, I'm not going to be stoked about it, I guess. And we watch Zootopia all the time. We got that on Blu-ray a couple weeks ago, and he he's probably watched it. I don't know. I'm really revealing how awful of a parent I am on this, just going on and on about how much TV he watches. But we've had that on probably a half dozen times, and it get, to me, that's better now than it was the first time I saw it. This will not feel the same. This is not a movie that's going to be like the 10th time through and be like, this movie really holds up, you know? Yeah, if and this beats Zootopia at the Oscars, I'm going to be pretty ticked off. Agree. Yeah, uh, no, I'm kind of with so. you. I'm not a big, see, I remember having to watch Nemo like in high school because, mm-hmm. you know, these are the type of things that went on at the high school I went to. And the, uh, you know, I just, I just, it, it was an, like an annoying movie to me. I thought it was really well made. Great kids movie, obviously visually stunning. Lots of laughs. Love Albert Brooks, love Ellen in those parts. But it's like so much of the same story just without ever breaking. You know what I mean? It's just like I just you just are tense about are they going to find him for there's never never been a movie I enjoyed watching. Uh, it's very that, formulaic. They swim, 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 then they get an enemy and they swim, swim, yeah, swim, swim, exactly. swim, and then they see an enemy. You know, like there's a shark. Like and a they, yeah, it's very predictable. And there's yeah. no stakes at all. You never once feel like. Dory's going to not make it or Marlon's not going to find Nemo or anything right. like that. That's kind of frustrating, but I mean, but I was always under the assumption that I was so like, I'm really enjoying listening to you guys talk about this because I was always under the assumption that it was like totally unassailable. It was every, aside from toy story, everyone's like number two favorite Pixar movie. Everyone I ever talked to, that's it. And I always, I'm always kind of like, I don't want to like come out as someone that thinks like, not that I think it's a bad movie. It's probably like an A or A minus if I'm grading it because it's very well sure. made. But it's like a movie I'll never purposefully like. Let's just say that I'm sterile and can't have kids. Then I'll never see Finding Nemo again, and I'm fine. Yeah, yeah. Remember when a couple of years ago, I think it was like 2011, 12, when they were re-releasing everything in 3D randomly. They re-released yeah. The Lion King, Jurassic Park. They did Star Wars, and they did Finding Nemo in 3D, or re-release, and it did really well. And I remember yeah, there being yeah. a ton of buzz that weekend about, oh my gosh, I took my kid to see it. They loved it. I can't, you know, I remember how great it was, and it, there was this big second wave of like, now yeah. you see me, in this, I mean, not now you see me, Finding Nemo in nostalgia. <laughs> I got now you see me on the brain, guys. Yeah. We actually do this podcast by Mad Lib, and yeah. so Ken just had his notes from last week of, of the Nemo nostalgia. Yeah, and uh, that was random. You're like, wow, I guess people like this. Yeah, and then yeah. this was announced, I think, a year later uh-huh. or that year, and uh, maybe I was just testing the waters to see if people still cared about it, and obviously they did. What we will, and people do. People are very passionate about it, and they're not wrong. And it's it's a great movie. It's just. And we'll definitely get some emails like ticked off because people hold Nemo very close to the uh, mm-hmm. to the heart, which is great. That's fine. I have stuff that I that I love too. Um, my stuff's just better. No, I just don't <laughs> think it's it's held up as well. I mean, yeah, on the first viewing, I loved Nemo. I, I thought it yeah. was hilarious, original, 
fun. See, I was like, I man, Pixar can't miss. All. But 10 years later, I'm just like, I can watch Toy Story now, 20 years later, all yeah. day. Incredible. And still get the same feeling. Well and get, yeah. And yeah. Wally, and I've rewatched wow. a lot of these in the past year or two years, and they all hold I up. Is better than Ratatouille has improved with time randomly. Yeah. And then I, I hated Ratatouille when I first saw it, but I've seen it again in the past couple of years. And man, it's really underrated. You know, it's a lot of depth going on there, a lot of character development and a lot of real feeling in that movie. Um, I just can't, maybe I can't get over the fact that I know this is just a cash grab. Like there's no reason to return mm-hmm. to this universe. I mean, people love Dory. I understand that. And Ellen is huge right now and is peaking and all this stuff. And there's a ton of reasons to bring this back, but I just, it, it just eventually pe- the public is going to be like, how many more Pixar sequels are we going to get? And I think this might be the one that people are saying, Oh, cause somebody at my work, uh, asked me, Hey, how was finding Dory this past weekend? And I was like, Oh, you know, it was good. It was, you know, what, what do you expect? And they go, can you believe they're making an Incredibles 2? Isn't that so stupid? You know, like, I think just the general public is starting to get, like, how many more of our original favorites are we going to kind of tarnish? You know, mm-hmm. we all have such fond memories. I just can't, I can't see a Wally 2 coming out. I just, I just hope not. Inside Out 2, you know, you know yeah. that's coming when she's going to be a teenager or whatever. Uh, you know that's coming eventually, but... That one lends itself a little more. Kind I of guess like we're a toy being, story, though. I guess we're being selfish as a yeah. as a as a society. Like they've come up with all these original ideas, and we right. love them. And now they want to make sequels to those original ideas. And we're like, no, give us more original ideas. <laughs> right? Yeah. They they do have some stuff coming. They've got a Day of the Dead movie coming out pretty soon, an original mm-hmm. property. That could be cool. And they've got, I mean, they've got stuff coming down the pipeline. The Good Dinosaur is complete, like random. What were they? I mean, it was original, but it's like mm-hmm. what? I think they just kind of knew it was a side offshoot, kind of a short yeah. film, kind of a thing, and not really a serious. Hey, remember Land Before Time? We should do that. Yeah, yeah. it's very um, weird that that was Pixar. It's just kind of weird to look back on. It could yeah, t- it was so... when you look back at the filmography, that's not going to be one that you mm-hmm. include yeah, in, the, in the list. Yeah, but, it's not bad, but it just doesn't fit. It doesn't feel right in there. Not at all. But this this movie felt cash grabby to me um i was worried about how the short-term memory loss like from a humor perspective was going to work for two hours i feel like they did yeah. a pretty decent job they they used it more to move the plot along than they did for laughs yeah, sure and uh so i'm glad they realized that but what a convenient movie this was <laughs> like i couldn't get over the the convenience of of how Dory gets from point A to point B, you know, like we need to get across the ocean. Oh, I know somebody. They grab the turtles yeah. for eight seconds. They <laughs> jump off and they're immediately at the place where Dory would grew up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. the vastness of the ocean. They didn't do a very good job of relaying the perspective. Like I thought this movie was going to be Marlin. You know, Dory gets lost, but then Marlin like explaining to Dory, Dory, the ocean is huge. You can't just go swim off. There are hundreds of thousands of square miles of water. You know what I mean? Like, sure. They and they start to do it towards the end. You know, kind of informing Dory because she forgets everything. You kind of have to reteach her everything. So I thought it was going to be more about that. It wasn't. It was very convenient. They show up 
at the exact aquarium they need to be in and the exact spot with the exact people, you know, and I guess if you're a kid, you don't think about that stuff. Yeah. But just from, from my perspective, especially if you're, when you're dealing with something as vast as the ocean, mm-hmm. this is not like a zoo, you know, the entire ocean and they found the uh, exact spots they needed to, but that was fine, I guess. I'm going to reiterate with with this movie. Every complaint, yeah, I'm a hundred and thousand percent overthinking it on everything. Yeah, yeah, I'm just trying to think of how where this went wrong for me. I'm glad they realized as a go ahead, Brian. Sorry, no, I was just gonna say that that goes to your point of we are just so spoiled by what Pixar has done over Mm -hmm. the years that that's where that's kind of where we're at because this is totally fine as a a kid's movie maybe and, and you know what more than fine it's great as a kid's movie yeah it just we're so used to totally toy story and up and wally and i'm not kidding like those three those three movies i'm counting toy story one through three as one film those three movies have had more of an emotional impact on me than almost any other films like those are that they will gut me i mean seriously you know they're just really strong and 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 work so well as films not just as wally is so dang good man wally is great it's so good so i I fear that that wally is being forgotten by oh yeah and that that bums me out because it's man that isn't that's an incredible regardless my, my point being yeah, they went Wally and up within eleven. Gosh, yeah, back to back, and, and though, Toy Story and three just, was right that's after. Pixar, right that's there. just crazy. Two thousand eight through two thousand ten is is yeah is peak Pixar. Right. Yeah. So anyway, I was just saying, like that's that's the that's the thing. You can say I have to watch these film these movies a lot, these kid movies, and uh, this one is better than almost any kids movie that I'm going to end up watching. But it doesn't. It just doesn't stack up when you compare it to the way that we typically talk about a Pixar movie, I guess. No, I, I totally agree. And I'm, I've something I realized with this is, and especially with these sequels, it's like, if you're going to return to these worlds, you need to improve on it in mm. some way. You need sure. to bring us something that we didn't get with finding Nemo from an animation, from a spectacle perspective. Mm-hmm. Like the, the biggest example of this that I've loved is, how to Train Your Dragon versus How to Train Your Dragon Two. Totally. How to Train Your Dragon Two completely ups the ante in almost every way, mm-hmm. and it's almost like they improved ten years in animation between the movie. I mean, there's only a few years between them. Like they probably started on the second one immediately after, but you know that they sat down and said, "How can we improve on what we did? How can we push the envelope more?" And I'm glad they kind of realized that here. With you know, they feel like they perfected underwater in 2005 or whatever when. Finding Nemo came out, but, um, you know, there's only so much you can do underwater from an animation perspective, I would think. Once you get the actual texture of the water and the filtering right, and, you know, you get, it feels like water, it feels like you're watching water, um, there's only so much you can do. So for this, you feel like over half the movie, maybe 75 to 80% takes place out of the water and outside the water on the surface of the water, mm-hmm. which is something I haven't seen done as well as this movie. Probably the surface of water, the reflection of light off water and things looked extremely real in this. And I think they realized that, like, how can we show off our fancy new animation? Well, we can't do that underwater. So they moved a lot of the plot to outside Mm -hmm. the water. And that worked for me from a, how is Pixar pushing the envelope perspective? And it was something that I expect with every Pixar movie to leave saying, man, 
you know, with, like with Brave with the hair and everything. It's like, man, I've never seen hair that looked that real in animation before. And for this, I've never seen maybe outdoor life or beach life for sure look this good in animation before. So I'm glad they gave me that. And it wasn't just all underwater. It just felt like it came out two days after Finding Nemo did. Mm-hmm. Um, so I appreciated that. But that's something I didn't expect at all. I expected this to be all underwater. And did it work for you at all? The whole plot line with the aquarium and... I know the uh, Dory going to find her parents worked for you because you're you said you're a sucker for that, Brian. But um, mm-hmm. what about the just the the general plot? No, I thought it was it was weak. It definitely wasn't the strong point of the of the film. Um, you know, this is what's the the one thing that that's interesting to me more than anything else, I guess, is that in Finding Nemo, I kind of found Dory a little bit annoying. Not to the point of like I've got I please get her off my screen, but just. I didn't feel like she was all that interesting, and I know a lot of people uh, who who uh, really love Finding Nemo are going to feel differently, and that's fine. It just I was in. I've always been interested in the Marlin plot, and I'm interested in Nemo at uh, I completely in the aquarium. Agree. But Dory kind of annoys me in this film. It's kind of the reverse of that. Like I thought they did a good job with of making, if not making Dory's character. Um, less obnoxious than at least making her storyline a little bit more involved. Yeah, yep. And and so I enjoyed her por- part of the film, especially when it's her and and Ed O'Neill's uh, uh, octopus. I thought that was that was the interesting part of the movie. That was the part that I was most into. Whenever we cut back to the B plot with with Marlon and and Nemo, I just felt like the entire thing was a rehash of and it was a rehash of Finding Nemo and was trying to squeeze in a B story that there really wasn't a call for in the movie. And so that, that was odd to me. I did not expect that going in. Um, that part just felt not just underdeveloped, but like kind of unnecessary. And so every time that this movie started to kind of get moving a little bit, we cut back to that story. And I just was like, eh, I'm not, I'm just not into this. I don't, it's not bringing anything new to the the world of of finding Nemo. Um, once they kind of all got back together and they're on the last go round of the last act, I guess, of trying to put the entire band back together, it was it was fine. I enjoyed that, but the the back and forth was not was not up to par uh, with Pixar stuff of of the past. I think, and that that's kind of a bummer. But I, I, I give them props, Andrew Stanton and and the rest for for making Dory obviously as your, uh, your protagonist in this movie for making her much more interesting and much less obnoxious. Oh, you definitely learn more about Dory. We get, we get her past. We didn't, it doesn't seem like a bit and that's good. You know, you shouldn't have your protagonist be a bit. So that was, you know, that's a strong way to go. That's a strong move. Just the rest of it. I didn't understand how Dory was able to remember everything. Like so much (laughs) counts on, the one character trait she has kind of not being <laughs> as severe as we thought. You know what I mean? Sure. sure. If she doesn't yeah. remember the exact things she needs to remember, then, you know, nothing happens, I guess. Mm-hmm. But uh yeah. they're 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 asking us to stretch it a little bit with it's our, very convenient. with how we know how we know have come to know Dory mm-hmm. over the years. But uh it's a character that I have enjoyed. You know, I I can't say I was annoyed with the character at all. Um, so that's fine. Um, there's only, this is kind of reminiscent of Toy Story 2 in a way, Finding Dory is. Uh, in fact, there's only a certain amount of places like toys can 
coexist, you know, like a toy, you know, like a bedroom and a toy store, you know, so like, oh, Toy Story 2 is going to be the toy store. Mm-hmm. This is kind of the same way. It's like fish, tropical fish can be in either the ocean or an aquarium, you know, we'll do it in an aquarium then, you know, mm-hmm. and kind of a easy way out in, in a way. I, sure. I had no idea what to expect from the trailer. I don't even think I saw a full trailer to this. I might have seen that first teaser, but I don't know if I saw a full trailer to this and I didn't know what to expect, but thought it was kind of cliche from that perspective. But we get some interesting characters in the uh in the aquarium. What did you think about the octopus character? What did you think about the beluga character and uh the whale shark, of course, and uh and those? No? Nothing. I was gonna let RB jump in there since I've dominated the conversation. No, sorry, I'm sorry. I thought he addressed it to you. My my fault. Um, yeah, the the new characters. You know, uh, oh, big. I'm a. Uh, I love when the, some of the coolest things Pixar does voice wise is they never go star heavy. They 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 like have character voice actors, and it's they always pick people that is someone who thinks about these kind of things a lot. Always people I go, wow, I never would have thought of them even having an interesting voice or a good voice for this character, but oh my God. Albert Brooks in, in itself is like, yeah. hey, I need someone to lead this animated movie. He's basically the star of Finding Nemo. Mm-hmm. It's just a very, you know, he's obviously talented and we're fans of his, but you shouldn't, you, if you're making a list of 10 people you want, it's just a very random, where you, when you arrive, how do you arrive at Albert Brooks if you're Finding Nemo? You know what I mean? It's just a very sure. weird you wouldn't think, and to their credit, I mean, they do it, like you said, a great job of not, not thinking of the first name, but obviously the right choice. Right. And so, like, someone like Ed O'Neill, right? It's yeah. like, I never, there's certain people that are great voice actors, like a Bill Hader. Yeah. And you're like, well, I could, I could cast Bill Hader in this, or, or I could, pass, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But, but someone like Ed O'Neill would never think of that, just perfect for that character. Um, they do that all the time. So, I I just think they're uh the I think I'm trying to think more character specifically, you know they they're not as much uh, what I liked about this as opposed to the first one is like you said Kent they're not as much just swim swim villain um there's there's shades of gray in a lot more characters it's not just like these are the good three fish and then every other creature in the sea is out to kill us um <laughs> yeah. which the first one has a little bit of so uh I I did I did dig that part a bit but. Uh, but yeah, I, th- I thought the the new additions were fine, and and because the first one, which you touched on, Ken, and I I, I will I will second, is so interminably long, mm-hmm. uh, and this one is a little bit shorter. It doesn't feel like these uh, new new characters really overly inflate the the movie. Uh, so so it's it's fine. It's not it's not adding just for the sake of adding. Yeah, there's one character that offended me, and it I didn't know that there it was a story or that anyone thought this, but the Gerald seal. Yeah. The one that gets the bucket and that's like clearly has mental and yes. something going on there. Yeah, I saw that was, a little that was very sense, you know, not sensitive to people with special needs kids who might be in the audience, you know, like I can't believe Pixar went there with this character and that it made the cut and the end, you know, it can easily cut that character out and, I don't know, or at least add dialogue to it, you know. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not the most intelligent dialogue, but at least there's something, you know. It offended me, and we actually got a comment on our Twitter that said, what did you guys think of that character? 
I just wanted to say there was no need for it, in my opinion. And it was the first thing I thought of was like, that's pretty offensive, you know? And if I get offended that easily, chances are a lot of people did get offended. Uh, but did you see it that way, Brian, at all? Honestly, if I hadn't seen the Twitter comment, I probably wouldn't have even considered <laughs> Your Your guys are probably right. Like, that's... It's an odd choice. It's another I thought thing, the if, moment if the, if, was so funny, you know, like I, I thought it was hilarious with them chasing him off the rock. That's one of the few times that I really laughed hard during the movie. But you know, in hindsight, having him seem uh, maybe special needs or, or simple uh, is probably I, I. It is a surprise. I, I wouldn't say that I was offended, but it does seem like a surprise that they they didn't catch how that was playing out. With some yeah. people, I, I guess. You thought they could have brought him back at the end or something. You know, like, oh, he, he saves the day. The one nobody thought could do anything actually mm-hmm. saved us. Like, yeah. have a little dramatic irony there or something, you know. But yeah, I it, guess it, it, his it was redemption just a one-off he, thing. And it was yeah. just like, you, you only had him there so that they could get the bucket, you know, to fly across the for Nemo to go into the aquarium thought maybe they could have done it a different way or something. I don't know. It's just, how did they arrive at, okay, there's this mentally challenged seal, okay? <laughs> and, you know, it's just very weird and, like, something you would never, I yeah. never would have thought that would have, A, been in it in the first place, but B, made the cut past every Disney executive without somebody saying, hey, we're going to get some backlash for this. And it's kind of funny, but, you know, we can do without it. And it's, it's not like a very pivotal moment in the... uh I mean, it is in the movie for them to get the bucket, but like I said, you can have another way for them to get the bucket if you really, really came down to it. I don't right. know. Yeah. How do just, in just the writers' room? How do they? Like I said, so in the writers' room, how do they come up with that? Like, yeah. okay, there's going to be one seal who's mentally challenged, okay, and he's going to have a bucket, okay. <laughs> it's just I don't, I don't even know. It's just maybe you you've gone so far you can't turn back or something kind of a thing. I kind of looked at it as like. You know, that's kind of a a classic animation trope almost is. Oh, they like, did it in The like, Lion King of, with the yeah, hyenas. Yeah, The Lion King's exactly. That's what I'm thinking is like you write, you sit down, you write, you start putting that all together and you're like, uh, you know, here's here's Ed. He's the weird one. I'm sure they never intentionally said, now this one, he is special needs, you know, and we're going to make fun of him or something like that. It's just, I don't know. I. I personally didn't notice it and I'm not going to by any means say no one, you know, no one has a right to be offended by anything. It just, I don't know. It didn't, it, it definitely would not have stuck out to me in that way if I hadn't seen mention of it beforehand. And, and even still, I, I don't know. I laughed. I thought it was funny and maybe it makes me a terrible person, but it does. So it. No. Okay. <laughs> I thought the touch pool sequence was fun. <laughs> Yeah, that was inside great. with yeah. the with the kids and the petting zoo thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a clever bit. I thought a, a great way of giving us those enemies that we were used to in the first film, but having a new spin on it, and uh, it it definitely worked for me. Yeah, from it's an very, animation with the hands coming yes. down into the water and stuff, it uh, definitely worked. That's a very Toy Story esque moment. Like right. seeing it from their perspective, like that was very cool. I thought that was one of the better sequences. You always like that. That's such a great thing they do in Toy Story and Wreck-It Ralph even. Mm-hmm. And uh, Lego Movie does a good job. They'll just cut back to what it looks like in real life from mm-hmm. if it were real life, you know. And it's so so funny oftentimes. But uh, my favorite funny moment of the movie 
was the clam puppet. The clam talking about scallops and everything, you know, with the pearl. Oh, yes. That was hilarious. And I say puppet because it looked like a hand puppet Mm -hmm. was doing it. Or that, or the animation was so shoddy on purpose, but it was funny, you know, like in a South Park kind of cheap animation way. It makes me wonder if they just did a hand puppet and like, let's not even (laughs) animate this. Let's make it even... It was, it was kind of surreal that moment, you know, like you're in a, like in a dream sequence or something, you know, or a drug trip or something. It was just very weird, and you wouldn't expect that to be in this movie. And uh, I've heard other people who've seen it said that that was their favorite moment was the the clamp character. It's very random. Yeah, it was very but, funny. Uh, very funny. I thought um, the funniest bit in the whole movie was the Sigourney Weaver thing. Like that got me yeah. two or three times. I thought that, that they kept going back to it. I thought was very uh, reminiscent of some of the you know the comedies that we the MacGruver uh, uh, radio bit. You know things like that. I thought were really funny. Like I said earlier, when I said I th- thought this was going to be more of them of Dory discovering the real world, uh, like. The fact that she goes into a bucket with dead fish and doesn't realize that <laughs> what dead fish are, you know? Yeah. Uh, they do, uh, at the end, you know, try to tell her that her parents are are dead, you know? And you think that it's serious for a moment, and she has this moment that she realizes what death is, and it's this weird, you know, very mm-hmm. uh, profound moment in her life, and then immediately forgets it or whatever. Yeah. But I thought there was going to be more of that in this movie. More, yeah, like, like I said, they, they kind of pulled their punch a little bit there, and I'm not, I'm not saying they're wrong to have done. Like that. As soon as they got serious, they would do something funny, and right. you'd be like, "Oh, this isn't a serious yes. movie." Yes, I'm absolutely. not supposed to be feeling anything. And I think that's part of what makes some of those other Pixar movies and some of the Disney movies from the heyday so good is that they really do kind of introduce kids to real life and the way things work, like. I will never forget um, the first time. My son loves to watch Lion King's one of his favorites, and we, we watched that, and the first time that he got it, that Mufasa is dead. And that was like a real moment for us. Like that led to a a very, you know, it's a small conversation because he was like two and a half at the time. So but you know, easier, So you just showed him like Faces of Death videos yeah, online? Just, I just went straight to that and like Shoa. Um, I just wanted him to... <laughs> <laughs> immediately experience awfulness. Right. Just, yeah. just you watch so understand. All of roots. So the, yeah, yeah sure. just the entire thing. Just all right, kid, you're ready now. Um, and then I showed him the 2006 NBA Finals too. You know, just to like complete the journey. Anyway, right. um, th- but like Bing Bong with with uh, Inside Out, all these sorts of things. Like they do such a great job giving kids kind of a a glimpse of real life without being too harrowing with it but but i would imagine that that leads to like real conversations and real development of the child's mind and and this one you're you're totally right like they they kind of move in that direction a little bit and then soft pedal back it's as if uh the mufasa scenes happening in the lion king and Simba's like, Dad, please wake up. And then Timon and Pumbaa are like, hey, Simba, what are you doing? You know, it's just like completely ruins the moment. Right. It's like, oh, we're yeah. not serious yeah. here. This Akuna is a, Matata. Yeah, oh, Akuna okay. Matata, what's happening? Yeah. You know, uh, it's the worst Timon and Pumbaa yes. impression. Hey, what are you doing, Simba? That's my, my Pumbaa. But um, it, it just, yeah, as soon as it got serious, it got not serious again. And, and that's fine. And I just kept telling myself, this is a kid's movie. This is meant for very small kids 
you know, not even preteens, like smaller than that, and but not any, you know, like I said, a very narrow group of uh, of people. Um, but we'll see. He's made 130 freaking million dollars. They'll probably make a third one. Uh, I don't know what they're gonna do. Finding Marlin, probably. <laughs> That's gonna be it, right? Yeah, probably has to be. Yeah. Or the wife will turn out to be alive, and she's just been. In uh, she she lost her memory, so now we gotta we gotta find her. So Pearl, where her so, so where should we rank this as far as Pixar movies goes? Um, this is not anywhere near the aforementioned Toy Story or Wall-E for me, mm-hmm. or Up. Mm-hmm. I think Wall-E's probably my number two behind Toy Story, and uh, and Up's a, a third. But this is not as bad as Monsters U for me, or as bad as Cars or Cars 2 for me. And uh, I could sit through this before I would sit through those. So it ranks kind of in the bottom, I don't know, bottom 25% mm-hmm. for me you know, of Pixar's filmography. Yeah. It might be lower for y'all or higher for y'all. I don't know. I would have, in some order, I would have the Toy Story movies. The Incredibles, Wally and Up and Inside Out as like that upper tier. Yeah. And then probably Nemo and Ratatouille and Bugs Life and Monsters Inc. and maybe Cars in the next group. And so I'd I'd have this in the group with like Monsters University and Brave and the Good Dinosaur. Yeah, and that's probably it. And then Cars Two is in a class. All so <laughs> now that you say that, are you? Now we've said all this. We've mm-hmm. said about Finding Dory as well. Are you excited about Incredibles Two or what? Incredibles Two and Toy Story Four to me are like are the exception to the sequels are not great rule. You know, like that's I I feel like Toy Story Three is such a great film, and so I'm. I'm ready and willing to go back to that universe at any point, even though Toy Story 3 really ends on a perfect note, but I don't care. Like, I'll go go back to that without any problem. I think The Incredibles is built for a franchise much better than even the Toy Story movie, so I think that that works well, and I think Brad Bird returning to it as kind of an opportunity to kind of like redeem himself in some ways after Tomorrowland. I I'm excited for that one. Cars 3, there is nothing that could excite. There's no there's nothing that they could announce that would excite me for Cars 3. They're doing um, a Cars planes crossover. Ugh, please. No. Uh Dirk is the lead role. Oh, okay, never mind. I'm I'm in. It's already an A+. Plus. Um he's a BMW. But he's playing for the Spurs <laughs> while he's no. doing it. No. Why would you do that, Kim? That's not nice. <laughs> We're dealing with a lot of emotions already today. Just <laughs> sorry. Uh, anyway, I I think the my only I have no problem with Pixar cashing in on these sequels. Like, make your money. That's fine. You've given us so many incredible original films. You do what you need to do. I just I do wish that they would balance it one for one. You know, give me like their next four films are Cars three. Coco, which is the Day of the Dead movie, Toy Story 4, Incredibles 2. So for the next two or three years, we will get three sequels and one original film. I I just could, I, I wish that that, and, and moreover, by the end of that run, seven of 11 movies will be sequels. And I, that's the ratio there is 
is off to me. So I know it's difficult to do what they do because they are masters of their craft and they start working on these projects 10 years in advance. They better watch out though. Disney animation is hot on their trail. Well, and I think that's, I think that's part of the, I don't want to call it a problem, but but what a weird competition that it is. It is. It is. They've not been as good since Lasseter took over Disney animation and Disney animation has been on the upswing. And so I they know had they Wreck-It Ralph, Frozen, and Zootopia all back yes. to back. And I know they operate, at least on paper, independently, but it does kind of seem like the the better properties are getting shifted to Disney and the lesser properties are Pixar. And that's an odd thing to do with, with your brand, I think. We shall see. Man, I love talking Pixar. Same. We've been talking this for over the amount of time we have allotted for this segment, but... I love the politics of Pixar. I've just loved seeing them grow over the past 20 years. I feel like I've grown with them, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I very, very vividly remember seeing Toy Story being blown away and uh, mm-hmm. been there for every movie. I've seen every single Pixar movie in the theater, I think. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's that's interesting as well. But um, I hope I've got uh, I've got high hopes. I had hope for The Good Dinosaur. You know, I was like, here's an original something. It's coming out randomly. It could be a very surprise hit. You know, you never know. It could be great. Yeah. And it was kind of a letdown. It's just like, okay, I guess we got to see two more sequels before we get another. I think Coco is actually the next movie, but um, Toy Story 4 I'm actually excited for, though. Same. They announced another Monsters. They announced a Wally sequel. I'd be like, ugh. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't. I don't think Wally lends itself to obviously up and Wally. I think those two are just to a certain point. You really can't sequelize those. I don't to a certain point. You have to say we've made it and it's great and it will be great forever. You know, like yeah. To a certain point, when you're 99 percent on Rotten Tomatoes, you don't want to tarnish that in at all in any sense. So maybe Wally is one and up are ones that they're like, okay, we're not touching those. Those are those are Mm -hmm. masterpiece level films that would only do a disservice to the original mm-hmm. to revisit mm-hmm. that universe. And I do think that's the case for those. But uh, let's hit a grade here, guys. And I'm going to give Finding Dory a B++ <laughs> slash A-, like somewhere between an A- and a B+, if that's weird. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Brian. Uh, I'm going to go pretty similar. I'm going to go B plus. I think I gave Zootopia an A minus and that might creep up when I do the end of the year rankings and stuff. And I think, I think Zootopia is definitely a level above, above this at at the very least. I'll say B plus and I could even shift a little lower and just go straight B. Richard. I'm going to go B plus as well. So consensus, my friends. Nice. Brothers. Cool. Well, what does this rank on the old Rotten Tomatoes? I don't even know what. Uh... Like ninety six percent. Oh, is it really? Percent. That yeah. well received. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a hard movie to total. A hard movie to give a negative review. Yeah, to. you can't. Yes. It's hard to say it's bad, but it's more the same, I guess, more than mm-hmm. anything. Yeah, I agree. It's not necessarily a bad thing when it's Pixar. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, ma'am, fam. Question for you: Do you own a small business, or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people, but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter 
get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. All right, let's uh, hit a recommend, guys. Weekly Recommends. Totally shifting gears from the Finding Dory chat. Uh, I saw the OJ documentary, oh, Made in America, the all, all five parts. And uh, boys, we might want to do an episode, and it might be five parts. Like, this is a... <laughs> This is a crazy, in-depth documentary, of course, covering the OJ trial and his career. But, um, man, a lot to talk about. I'll recommend it. If you have ESPN on your TV, you can download the Watch ESPN app on your Apple TV or Smart TV or on your phone or iPad. And all the episodes are on demand on there if you want to re-watch it or binge it or something. It's very easy to do. It's awesome, guys. It's great. It's- it is It is. Very good. If you're but, not a sports fan, um, you might struggle through the first part, but the you'll love the last four. But the I first, still, yeah, the first two the first. are more pre-murder. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, the last three, you know, are, <laughs> the last three are uh, alleged murder, and the last three. <laughs> no, are, the murder definitely murder happened. happened. Somebody yeah. was murdered. Yeah. Yeah, that part's not alleged. His involvement, I suppose, is. Was it murder? Was it a suicide? We just don't know. <laughs> no one will ever know. Um, but, no, it's super, I mean, super in-depth. And But it made me actually appreciate the FX series more because of how well they covered the trial in the FX series. Cool. Uh, I thought it would make me hate the FX series because I'm a documentary nut, and I'd rather watch a documentary on anything than a biopic or something. Mm-hmm. But... Um, it actually made me appreciate it more, and and if you haven't this, seen this, the, doesn't uh, have Schwimmer, which you were pretty bummed doesn't about. Doesn't have Schwimmer. It has a little Schwimmer, not not enough though. <laughs> Minimal. There's never, there's never enough Schwimmer. Um, Plenty of it, Marcel though. Well, definitely there can be enough Marcel. This was the case. Uh, it, the Made in uh, Made in America is what this called, but the People versus OJ was uh, the other one, and. Uh, the FX of the dramatic series and it, it, it's a recommend too I've recommended in the past I don't think Brian ever got to it but um, it's, wor- it's worth checking out 2016 the year of OJ yeah yes. 22 you, years you literally have 20 hours of OJ to catch up on Brian oh, Hope you know. so much OJ and then I gotta go back and watch all of his games it's yeah. just that's a lot <laughs> for a completist yeah. like me yeah. okay that's my recommend right cool. Richard have you seen it I've seen part one. Still, oh, you're still I, working I through it. Not had air conditioning. Uh, I'm actually doing this show in about 98 degrees right now, so I haven't been at my place much because it's not a very enjoyable place to be in Texas in the summer because they are having to like totally rebuild my air conditioner, Ugh. and so um, I haven't. I'm more, much further behind than I should be. But as soon as that kicks back in, I will. Uh, I'll knock out the the last four episodes. Sweet. All right. Uh, what you recommend? Yeah, mine is, uh, I'm going to recommend an album uh, by uh, an artist out of Houston uh, named Robert Ellis. Uh, he's got an, a newish album out the last few months called, uh, also called Robert Ellis, self-titled. Uh, it's a really, really cool mix of of uh, country and 
pop and jazz and st- standards and he's an interesting vocalist and a, a pretty cool guitar player and uh, if you like singer songwriters he's he's a he's a pretty interesting one so uh check out robert ellis by robert ellis all right i shall brian what's psych- you recommend a little psychedelic vibe to it it's good oh, yeah, i like it yeah nice well let's see can't you recommend a tv richard you did music so i'll do a movie uh this movie just hit netflix today it was the it was i think my second number two movie of the year number three movie something like that last year it won best picture spotlight is on netflix i don't think enough people saw it when it was in theaters because it does seem like such heavy material and it is but it is very important and it is presented in such a compelling way uh we all really loved it, I, th- I think, and it's I'm ex- it's one of the few movies that is that kind of movie that's that heavy and that serious and that awardsy that I am really looking forward to to rewatching and and kind of delving back into it because it's just so it's so well done, it's so good. The the acting is on an, the next level, I think. So Spotlight, if you missed it and it's kind of short theater run last year. Now's your chance. Came out on Netflix uh, like 13 minutes ago at the time. Of leave leave so. Schreiber sneakily maybe yes. best performance of that movie. Like yeah. at, he, on second watch, like dude, this yes. guy. He he kills. Slattery kills. I mean, it's yeah. It Ruffalo's is a, really good, except for that one scene where he's trying really hard to win the right. Oscar. And he's the screaming. one the one scene that got in the Oscar nomination is the worst scene in the yeah. whole movie. Uh, McAdams is great. He's like, American I can't wait Treasure. to clap to this scene in the theater. <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. Make uh American Treasure Michael Keaton is fantastic. It's it's such a it's it's a kind of a murder's row of great performances. So second time that Murder's Row has been uh mentioned in this yeah. podcast. So that's yeah. different. But it's anyway, weird when it was the was Finding the, Dory Kondo title for, earlier. <laughs> it was the working title of the OJ documentary too. <laughs> yeah. So check that out. Spotlights on uh, on Netflix now, right now. Will do. And thanks again to our friends at blueapron.com for sponsoring today's episode. Again, what an awesome service. How convenient. If you're somebody who works and your wife works and y'all can't ever agree on what you want to eat and you hate going to get groceries, this is the plan for you. Blueapron.com slash mad. Three free meals. You can pick your meals. This is a great way to support the show as well. So, blueapron.com slash mad. Thank you for sponsoring this episode again. And uh, we will see you at the cinema. Goodbye. Hey baby, I hear the blues are calling Tossed salads and scrambled eggs And maybe I seem a bit confused Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegged (laughs) But I don't know what to do With those tossed salads and scrambled eggs They're calling again Scrambled eggs all over my face they're making me ya-ya, your silence is rambling.